Right, whenever you're ready, do your intro. Hello. I'm not going to mess around with it this time. Good, because I don't. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's me. It's too loud? Yeah, too loud. Not the best start. I'm doing. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, Paul. What I'm going to do is awful. Yes. Is Just this? say yes. Just you're nodding with me, so you agree. Yes, Paul. Psychologically. Yes, Uncle Paul. Say yes, Paul. Say yes, Paul. <laughs> Not a lot. Oh, and Bruce Forsyth's died since we last recorded an episode of Cheap Show. So I can't go. Made me do a snot. Oh, it came out my nose. Oh, fucking. Oh, you're sucking up your own snot. Oh, right, we've reached new lows. Do you want a tissue? No, I've this, got, this tissue's I've not too tissue. bad. I've got one. Oh, no, that was with cake on. I'm going to I'm gonna have to... I've got cake on my nose. <laughs> oh. Have you got some kind of fancy Kit Kat there? Yeah, it was a green tea Kit Kat. Oh, you lucky bitch. Who gave you that? Friend. Better friend. Oh. Oh, God, it exploded out of my nose. Oh. Mm, not that. <laughs> right, sorry. Begin your intro now. I do apologise. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Eli Silverman. And you're listening to episode 54 of the podcast you know and love. It's called Cheap Show. I'm one of the hosts. It's the other host. It's Paul Gannon, everybody. Paul, yay! So, you know, like, if someone listened to this podcast for the first time, say they just, I don't know, put on iTunes and it was, like, recommended new episode of Cheap Show, and they put this one on, this is their first experience of Cheap Show, Yeah. all they're going to hear is you and your stupid fucking voice, and they're going to go, these guys are knobheads. I don't know what you're talking about, Paul. I don't know what you're talking about. It's Cheap Show, it. It's Cheap Show. Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, well, it's Cheap Show. I mean, Shut I... Shut up! <laughs> oh, Cheap Show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Cheap Show. Hate you and your fucking noodle posse. People love noodles, right? It's a fact of cheap show you're gonna have to fucking accept. Noodle time. Tells from the dance floor. How's the pick going? The price of shite. This is Paul Gannon saying hello. Eli Silver. Welcome to Team Show. I'll go and I nuzzle. Right, good. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, it's the A Comedy Comedy Podcast for your it's ears. It's the Comedy Podcast You really have to stop doing that fucking voice. Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, please do. Or I'm going to take a pound. Oh, right. so give me the pound it. back. No, don't, every time stop you do that voice, I'm taking a pound. Don't be stealing money. So there you go, pound. It's not, this is, I don't recognise But this. did you stop doing the voice? Really? So was it effect? Right, there you go. <laughs> no, the fucking give you, me the... Mate, seriously. I'm taking these. <laughs> oh, I won't do the voice. Now you know what it's like. You can earn those two pounds back over the course of this episode. Okay, by doing my normal by voice. By behaving. All right. If I think at any point you step out of line... You're not getting like a quid back. All right? This has got really bad, Paul. I'm just saying, if you don't fucking behave, you're not getting these two quids back. All right? And I'm going to make it fair as possible. I'm not going to be a tyrant, Eli. I'm not going to be a tyrant. I'm going to be a fair king. I'm touching your hand, it looking would, into your weird, eyes. It's weird because this doesn't come across. I'm, I'm going to be truthful to you. 
I'm getting a bit. Ugh. Yeah, I'm, I'm invading your personal space. Yeah, it feels a bit weird and clammy your content? hand and yeah, warm. And stop, stop moving the fingers, oh, please. Right. So it's episode fifty-four, Paul. It is of cheap show. Yes. And uh, this might not be episode fifty-four in case I put a house of pickles in the middle of it. So uh, we just don't. I've know. already said episode fifty-four. Then I have to times. stick to. I have to stick to that then. Since you've said it, since you've said it, I have to stick to it. You will. Yeah. Uh, little caveat for people listening: still got toothache. Same recording session as last time. In agony, taking some painkillers. A little bit better. You feeling a little bit better? A little bit better, but um, obviously anything can happen in the next hour. What? By anything, you mean you probably losing your temper because you've got a toothache again? It's very likely. Okay. It's very likely. So, with that in mind, welcome to Cheap Show. Hello. Uh, we're going to just quickly mention again that we are recording this in the pod at White City Place, and they've given us this space to record it. It's a fantastic little spot. It certainly is cosy. It's very cosy. Spod. Did you did you combine the word spot and pod? There? Yes. Yeah, spod. I like spod. it. <laughs> so we're in a nice little spot. A lovely pod spot. Yes. And um, again, we've got the desk with round table desk we've got in front of us. And there's a little naughty boy looking in. He's a naughty boy. Hello. You're not coming in. No. Piss off. Hello. Hello. We need recording session. Sorry, man. <laughs> that really happened, everybody. Now, That's this... one of the downfalls of the uh, the pod as a recording space is you get urchins fucking little urchins sticking their head in and opening the door when they were asked not to <laughs> we definitely gave him a shake of the head he, he he saw the seriousness in your eyes paul i was looking very, very serious fatherly. and this is a man with a toothache and he cares not of criminal proceedings right now <laughs> no you don't okay he cares not of uh, rubbing a child up the wrong way oh come on i mean come getting, on, on. getting on their bad side even worse. It's not. I'm just saying. There's no naughty little urchin going to ruin this cheap show. No, and he hasn't. So, don't, so don't let him. But that is the pro- well. We should have locked the door. But anyway, we should, we're in the pod. Are we going to lock it now? Place. I'm locking the door. Locking now. it in. Excellent. We're locked in. We're locked in the pod now, everybody. Right. We're locked in the pod. No more little naughty children popping their heads in and saying, "Please, governor." He didn't say anything. He just went, "Oh, sorry." Why? Why fucking? Oh, anyway, he was a child. Naughty, naughty boy. He was just checking out. He's a naughty boy. Naughty boy. Right, so uh, thank you to White City Place for letting us have this recording studio once again. Thank you to them. And also Paige Branson, who helped design the logo. Going to give a shout-out again to her PayPal tip jar. We can donate as little or as lot as you want, a one-off payment. If you go to paypal.me forward slash Paige Branson, spelled P-A-G-E-B-R-A-N-S-O-N, then you can, on our behalf, thank her with a small donation for her tip jar. She is, and she has been a marvellous contribution to Cheap Show. I like the logo. It's a lovely logo. Nice, uh, lovely logo. And did you picture. see, there's a Reddit page as well now for us. Did you know about this? No. Reddit has a Cheap Show page. You can go on there and talk to other Cheap Show fans and leave comments. Have a cheapskate. Other cheapskates. Um, you can leave little comments there and recipes and noodles. Recipes. Some people have given you suggestions for how to eat a noodle. Maybe we should check out the Reddit page. I, I, I will. And then I'll, then Reddit. we'll have a little section. forward slash cheap show. I should say, if anyone's feeling a certain lack of noodle talk in the last I'm episode not. in this one. I know I'm you're not. not. No, I'm not. I never, thanks for bringing it up, Paul, though. That's very grown up. Thank you. Very grown up of you. Uh, there oh, will be. There will be. A noodle special. And yes. it is something special, isn't it? Me and Paul have been planning it, the structure of it. Well, mostly you. So yes. that means if it doesn't if you don't plan it, we can't do it. So it's all in it. your hand. I'm doing it now. Right. I've written things down. Have you? Yes. <laughs> really don't I've written you. the word noodle special yeah, that on bollocks. <laughs> bollocks. I've bought a whole new notebook and I've written noodle special on the first page. Anyway. Right. So it's in the works. It's in the works. A noodle hot topic special. Yes. It's coming at you before the end of the year, right? Yes. Right? Yes. Right. We're not doing this. 
I'm just concerned that you don't have the impetus to do it. I fucking have the impetus, mate. I'm fucking Mr. Impotent. <laughs> no, impotent. You get them confused. Oh, Your girlfriend calls oh, you Mr. Impotent. Oh, my God, the punnery. Mm, do you want a quid back? <laughs> do you want to quit back? Stop holding that over me. Do you want to quit back? I'm not what? I'm Maybe not allowed to nice. say anything critical of you. No. Okay, no, you're great. And also your puns are brilliant. Impotent, yeah, Thank funny. Thank you. Well, this coin might be coming back to you. Hilarious. A little few more of those little... Can I just add that I'm, I'm homeless or appear to be and also like to suck tramps off and stuff, you know? Well, uh, it's good to hear you be so honest and yeah. get it off your chest. I have to wipe it off my no. chest with a fucking with a squeegee. Oh, I'm giving you a quid back because you. you went the extra step. <laughs> <laughs> you went the little extra step. A I've bit got, obvious. I've got a tramp cum squeegee device which I use to yeah. wipe it off right. my chest. You've with. had your moment. Right. You got your quid back. There's still one more quid on the what board. What have we got right? coming up on the show? Well, before. we're going to start off right now with our newest section that we haven't done in a while. Mikasa. Sukasa. And what happens in this section, Paul? Well, when we're out and about in the charity shops of Great Britain or the car boot sales, we might see a little son that goes, I bet Eli would like that. I bet Eli needs that. And then you think the same thing. Oh, Paul. Paul might yes. like this. Yeah. Even though it's not Ghostbusters related. But um, if it is, even bonus. Better. Even bonus. Bonus Sukasa. Bonus Sukasa. <laughs> uh, and then I might pick that up for Paul. It's a little gift. It's not an exchange. It's a peace offering between gift. the two of us. It's a moment where we. Mikasa. Pete, just remember you said that peace what? offering because that's relevant. Oh, to Sukasa. So, so who wants to go first then? You go first. All right. Okay. So, I was in a charity shop. Paul it was uh, what? What is your Mikasa? Well, <laughs> Mikasa today. You're in a charity shop. Yes. Big wow. That's a good way to start the story. I was in, uh, cat protection charity cat shop. Cat protection league. Yeah. Does it say? Go on, did you look after my pussy? <laughs> no, I was going to say that. Oh. Neutering prevents AIDS in cats. Yes, because it does. It does say that on the on the sign. Yeah. It's quite bold, isn't Saddest it? Saddest face my cat ever pulled was when I took it to have its balls snipped when it was seven months. Did it have a sad face? The saddest face. It's almost as if he knew he was coming back lighter. It's, all, it's for his best. Oh, it's it really was, raining outside oh, the pod it's now, rain, ladies and gentlemen. Rain, but we're warm inside the pod. We're warm and cosy. It's kind of nice to look out the window, isn't it? And just see all the rain coming down and the lady with the umbrella and yeah. the, the people getting wet they because really they just are. couldn't judge that's the weather real, today. That's a, it's been very changeable and that's a real downpour. It's a real, a real downpour. A cloud, cloud burst, they call Can it. we stop talking about the fucking weather now? Can we Can stop talking about it? the weather? I think it's probably... They'd probably well, it's nice, this, isn't it? It's like it's like being in a tent on a campsite. And okay. It's raining, yeah. and you, we're alone, and it's raining <laughs> down, and you move a bit too close to me, and me I touch your knee by accident, Kassa. and then I give you such a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> me, instead of the hand job, can yeah. we just put the rain check? On the hand job. Yeah. Uh, please introduce your Mikasa item. So you're in the Cats Protection League. I saw a book that I think you might like. Okay. Something that you might read and benefit from. It's called. The Highway Code for Happiness oh. by Michael and Hilary Potter. Parrot. Parrot. Let's <laughs> <laughs> read. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, mm. okay. Huh? Huh? It's time the quid. Look, we're in a section now. Yeah, all right, good. Now, this is the Highway Code for Happiness that Paul's yeah. got me because he thinks I'm unhappy. You are. You are. You said in the last episode you had a sad dream about touching a girl who gave you intimacy. That's true. And you were quite open about now, it. Now, this and is I a quite rightly shut I that down. This is a second-hand item. Yeah, it is. Because I can see in the first page, it was given to someone in 2011. Oh. Uh, the person who gave it was called Samuel Hefzilod. <laughs> uh, you call me Hefzilod. Because <laughs> when I'm inside, yeah. Some, I don't know like if inside, yeah. I but, well, what do you think that says? Hef is local. 
Hepfiscal. It's a weird name. It's anyway, a weird Sam name. Hepfiscal. And it's bless. It says bless. Bless you. Bless I. Bless it. Bless. Bless. Bless from Sam Hepfiscal. Anyway, so we'll he gave it to, to someone, and they obviously either learnt their whole highway code for happiness and, and became now, happy, or thought, "Oh, this piece of shit is cluttering up my fucking drawer." And I'm gonna—it was from that cunt Sam Heft. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I look at it, it, just shows you that I haven't figured my life out yet. And so he takes a bin bag is, full of his all... belongings down to a charity shop. This book being one of them, and he leaves it on there. His one opportunity for happiness now, left this on the doorstep be, of a charity shop. It's all like the highway code, so it's all in the uh, that special. Highways Highway of Great Britain font. Yeah. As if you were learning signs. the, the yeah. road signs and the, the rules and the roads. Yes. Oh, God. Right. Searching. Shall I look at this? What's, what's the contents of the book? Break the contents. It you've got on page nine, Yeah. which is a good detail that everyone mm -hmm. needs to know. Searching for happiness. Unmet longing. Oh. That's what you would... Yeah. Yeah. You have to yeah. Got. yeah. Yeah. Life needs meaning. Does. <laughs> Does your life have meaning, Eli? <sighs> This is meaning. We give happiness to people with our podcast. And the last chapter in Search of Happiness, where are we going? Oh, God, that's deep. Then. Yeah. So those are the issues. Yeah. And then in the uh, next chapter, managing the mind. Oh. Understanding ourselves. Mm. Training the mind. Okay. Don't think about Fanny. Things but like that. I can't help thinking about it. Go on. Don't mention wanking. Stress and de-stress. Wanking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And dreams, goals, and plans. Now, let's. What's. What's. Uh... What's dreams? We can look up your dreams. Okay. No, but that's, that doesn't mean dreams like that. It means dreams as in ambitions. As oh. It doesn't mean funny little anxiety dreams about not being loved by a lady in a long time. Unmet longing. I think that covers it. All right, yeah. Let's see what I should do. The desire is so deep that as the body needs breath, so the heart craves happiness. This oh, is shit, this book. God. Oh, I always think so. Why, then, is this universal longing so often unmet? Because you're a lonely, ugly, dirty, smelly fucking gnome. Why? No the answer lies in you. the very nature of yeah. happiness. A child who tries to catch his own shadow will always be empty-handed. And a mental child. As What's he... Billy doing? He's running around the walls. Oh, yeah, he's trying to capture his shadow in a jar. That kid needs help. It's an analogy, Paul. Don't care how big As it he is. runs, the shadow runs from him. But let him turn and face the sun and run towards it. And he finds his shadow follows him. Deep. Deep. Yeah. Fucking rare. Makes you think. Pro fucking found. Make, makes you think, though, doesn't it? Not really. Seek happiness for itself, and it escapes us. But if we aim for better... Other, better, higher things. We are more likely to find it. We can discover happiness when we're not looking for it. Yeah. I think this is kind of based on mindfulness, isn't it? Let's have, a, have look. a mindfulness. I'll have a little fucking look at this. Right. Building the character. Um, character doesn't stay still. Everybody grows older. When everyone grows up. Character. That's fucking true, isn't it? Character can go both ways. I still like playing with shit. Some people end up as bundles of complaint and grievousness. Oh, doesn't sound like anyone I know, Paul. Miserable. And like spreading their misery around, Eli. Others, often in the face of adversity or the teeth of oppression, never stop growing. When the Ooh, Bible says... I never stop growing. Did you notice that? What the Bible says is oh true. My, oh my God. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So what they're saying is, to really be happy... You've got to go through hell. 
You've got to be the survivor of... What is this book saying? Here's how to be happy with a bit of help from God, probably. It's sort of mindfulness. It's sort of like, yeah. On the back it says, true contentment is true the... True contentment. Illu- I'll try that again. Yes, would you? On the back it says, true contentment is the elusive piece of the jigsaw for many. Or well, just a yeah, stupid thing to say, even, even hope Whatever. for. There's no such thing. Here is some practical and down-to-earth advice on how to find it. Michael and Hilary Perrot offer valuable insights from their wide experience. This is rich wisdom. Okay, mm. fine. Well, there you go. Nice little book for you. You might, you might find contentment through that book. I bought that generally to see if it will help you. you. You want me to read? I want you to be happy, Eli. I want you to you be don't. happy. I do. As soon as I got after after true contentment, yeah, it's the end of the podcast. Paul. But then, my work on this planet is done. Oh, what? And, then and I get to jump into the. This is like quantum leap. It's the longest you're episode the quantum of quantum leap. Yeah, I'm Sam Beckett. He's inside me right now, and like, is goes, he? and yeah, and Al goes. Ziggy says you gotta make Eli happy. It shouldn't take that long. Ten years later, just read the fucking book. All right, this <laughs> read doesn't the book sound like it's a good so book. So I can for go it. home. Right. Okay. Thanks, Paul. You're not happy with that, are you? It's. Uh, I'm not going to read it. I'm just. I'm too cynical. Or maybe I will read it. Maybe you should give it a read. You might it's find the stuff th- I know about. You, well, it's then why are you fucking, ignoring it? Because I, you know, it's, it's like mindfulness meets, you know. What's fucking. the last page say? Only joking. Live shit. You're a cunt. And a fuck course, off. If Is it time for Sukasa? Yes. You're not getting that quid back, <sighs> Paul. Yes. I just like this item, and I just didn't think about how I'm going to try and change you or how I'm trying to do f- to you. I just thought, this is something cool. I thought this yeah. was a nice gesture. The happiness highway fucking code. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. I shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Get, don't get mad again. Right. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, it's, what is this? It's Apache Big Chief toy. Excellent. It's a little action figure of a very racist interpretation of an Why is it American. racist? Because I don't think, by and large, they look like that. This it with halter tops. It's a lady. Yeah, but I don't think you had like yeah. polo jumpers back then. Back when? Back in the days when. Try was... not to try not to get in a quagmire here. Well, I'm not trying to. So I've got to wait, but wait. There are sweets involved. Yes. Glucose, sugar, what? So there's sweets and a you toy. You see the little sweets and the toy. It's a sweet and toy combo pack. That's a strange thing, though, because it's in a box. And it's in a box. It's a, there you go. It's a, it's it's a, toy a for badly you. painted small toy of an, a Native American. I've got a. It's a lady, though. It's quite large-breasted. Oh, right. So, it's, so what have you got? Can we just please describe the figure okay. properly? It's please. a thin, plastic Native American action figure with a headdress... It looks like traffic cones on her head. Two little tiny traffic she's cones. She's a lady. She's a lady, which we... you keep pointing out, which I find really unsettling. But she's not a chief, is she? So it's a misnomer as well. You can't be the chief if you're a lady, can you? I don't know. I don't Probably know. Probably can. I mean, I just don't know. Apparently they had multiple genders. Well, that's very progressive I, of them. I don't know how that and works. And then the white man came and shat all over What it. do they have? Blankets. Man. Woman. Blanket man. <laughs> Smoke dwelling man. Oh, God. I don't know. But congratulations on making an effort there, I think, with that. So she's wearing a green top, but only on the front because the back's not painted at all. So it looks like she's got a, just a spray-on green top. A spray-on well, green does front Does it even top. go around her neck? No. Just just clamped on like a no, big it's just painted. plate. It's just a... the front's been plate, uh, I'm just painted. trying to imagine as if it was a real item, well, though. Well, don't, because it's not. So and she's wearing a little leafy uh, 
trouser dress. What do they call that? A, 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 a grass skirt. A skirt of some kind. A big. But it makes it look like she's got a big full nappy or something. Yeah, or, like, or a, like big... a big wanger. <laughs> I'm just gonna let that hang. Yeah, it does hang like a massive wanger. In front shut of her. up. And that again has no back, does it? No, but it comes with a little staff. Is there any articulation in the legs? No, and it breaks if you try. Have you broken it? No. That's for it, you, Paul. It's Sue Cassa. Describe her. Uh, she get, has two accessories. She has an accessory. She has a staff with a snake wrapped around it, a cobra. She, that makes me think she's kind of a medicine woman. She's some kind of Dr. shaman. Dr. Quinn, medicine lady. She's a shaman. She can cast spells. That's Ooh. pretty... All right. To be honest, that is quite cool, her staff, and she's it, got with a cobra on it. a horn for bugling. She's got the horn. Like a... <laughs> Seriously, mate, is that, is that what you're going to? We've done these gags as well. We need to do better. We need to do better. God, we can't have this conversation we need to do better. now. We are having this conversation now. We need to do better because you can't just say big wang, big tits, girl, uh, horn. Give me, uh, uh, it's not good enough. It's not cheap show level good enough. What is cheap show level, Paul? Froffy cock, willy bums, oh, I shut the bed, Vera, oh, you know, that stuff. And then there's some sweets. Are you going to taste the sweets? Yeah, so the figure's fine. It's all right. It's not fine. They haven't painted it at all on the back, and all of the sections of the body in the back have big screw holes on them. Yeah, it's, no, it's, a, it's a nasty cheap toy. It's incredibly nasty and cheap, and anorexically thin, this Apache Chief looks as well, doesn't, doesn't she? Just a bad mould. Right, so I'm going to open the sweets now. God, and it's getting it's all sticky like the paint. That is a terrible item. Right, here are the sweets. The little... Um, pellets. Pellets. Like tiny Tic Tacs, like smaller Tic Tacs, half the size. They're not the same shape as a Tic Tac. Just a lump of sugar, yeah? Horrible. It's very floral. Yeah. Okay. Try one. Right. They taste like Nanny's mints. Yeah, they're... They're, they're not good. They're just very bad. The whole thing is very bad. Who's it manufactured by? Well, I thought it said arse, but it just says ages, three plus. I think it's on the back. Oh, that's for the who's... It's, no, it's Maxed Toys. M A double X T toys. Well, and it was ninety nine P here. It says as well. Oh, I shouldn't have. Sorry. Oh no. Maxi toys. Well, you spent forty P on the fucking highway code for. Yeah, happiness. and I think that not that it's riches. a comparison or anything, but I spent over twice as much on my toy for you. So who's me Casa and who's Sue Casa? Me Casa's much I'm better. I'm me Casa all over your bastard ass. Really grabbing your groin? I was grabbing my groin. Everybody. Pathetic. Pathetic. What do you think? Pathetic. Worst Mikasa Sukasa ever. Really? I'm not happy with that. You're obviously not happy with the what I thought a touching gesture to try and get some happiness in your life. Look at the staff. Her staff of, of power, though. You like the staff. I know. And she spell cast a spell. On me. On anyone who dares cross her. Right. That's a good toy. It's not. That's a, look, it's a person of colour and it's a lady. That's a positive It's going in the bin. Toy for a little it's boy, going. maybe. Almost instantly in the bin. All right. And the sweets, they're going in the bin too. Yeah, they're nasty. I but didn't I want you to read sweets. that book. I want you to try and make a difference to your life and read that book. You promise me? No. You promise me you'll read that book and get I back to me. I don't want to read the fucking book and make a difference for you. I need to change for me, Paul. Well, why don't I need you? To make... Why should I? If I'm not unhappy, I'm fine. You are unhappy. I'm... And if you're not, you should be. <laughs> you... Have bad mental hygiene, my friend. All right. How dare you? You don't. You can't lecture me. I am about being unhappy because you. I'm doing. I can't believe I'm doing the Trump thing with my fucking. I know. Hand. I just saw it. It's quite addictive when you get into it. Yeah, you can't lecture me on mental health because your mental hygiene is 
Woo! Off the level! Well, I like to think that we're discussing it as, it's as adults. It's off the hook shit! You fuck up! In the head, I'm doing the voice again. What, what am I doing? What am I doing? You want that quid Hello, back? Hello, You're not getting this quid back. In fact, I'm pushing it further away from you with every moment. I spent moment. more money on that bloody figure. It's, it's better. I win this non-competition. Just because you spent more money on it. I win the non-competition. It's not, it's not meant to be a competition. I, yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, but you said who got the best one? Me, 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 yeah. me. And you're so wrong. So I win the non-competition. Then why would you want to win Is the Is it the end of this section? Yes. What else are we doing? It's one of our most popular segments on the cheap show as we have it, and it's called Silverman's Platter. What's on the platter today? We've got a few items on the platter today, Paul. Starting with our first item. What is our first item today? You're telling me, you knob scratch. All right, dick boy. It's something I picked up the other day. Don't you call me dick boy. You know what people don't like when you do that little angry voice? doesn't work. It's a, don't, stop. Don't hit me. Stop. You can't. Listen. I've got two fake. I've got your money. You need to step in line. All right. All right. We're doing step Silverman's. We started that item well. Uh, picked this up the other day, ladies and gentlemen, on yeah. Parker Brothers Music. It is the Cabbage Patch Kids LP Cabbage Patch Dreams is now, the name of the LP. It sounds awful, but let's give a bit of context. The Cabbage Patch Kids were a line of toys released in the mid to late 80s. Well, this record is from 1984. So it's got to be around then, then. Yes. 83, 84, right? And it was just a toy line where it was little, very uniquely designed dolls with a kind of moon face, hand-stitched look to it, you know, that were all unique. Everyone was unique. But how were they all unique? It was just some Different coloured hair, eye colour, a, a beauty spot, I bet they, the way yeah. they were dressed, the so style So something the about hair. the manufacturing technique, they managed to make something unique about every doll. Yeah, and everyone came with a specific birth certificate. So it was all unique. You have adopted Sandra That was from the whole Georgia. selling point, wasn't it? The uniqueness. And they were cool Cabbage Patch Kids because they were grown magically in Cabbage Patch Patches. Removing the messy yeah. business of human penises and vaginas. And it was one of the biggest toys of the 80s, full stop. There are videos of parents trying to get them for Christmas and being violent with each other. I think it was one of the first times that that was in the media, a sort of crazed toy that had, like drove people to... It was uh, definitely one of the first, if I think not Star the first. Wars stuff, maybe, there might have been some of that. It was a, that. There was a, yeah, a crying demand for that. But yeah, this was like crazy, though. I remember at the time, the craze. beating each other up in stores yes. to get their hands on them and travelling hundreds of miles for toy shops and finding out which ones were getting the stock in that year because if their kid couldn't get a Cabbage Patch doll for Christmas yes and was there there must have been a cartoon as well there probably was because this is the era of Reaganomics ladies and gentlemen yes and what Reagan did he uh, why did you point to the Cabbage Patch dolls I'm just I'm just trying to as if like there was a Cabbage Patch Ronald Reagan doll which there might have been to be fair he did Famously, he deregulated every area of uh, the economy okay. in the States. So he deregulated the financial markets and everything, which went, led yeah. uh, to Wall Street yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. going huge. But he also did it uh, in terms of advertising and uh, children's television. And cross-promotion, yeah. So before, there were a lot of rules in place, laws in place, where you couldn't have a TV show for kids that was simply hmm. an advert for a toy. Yeah. But after the deregulation that Reagan brought in, you could. And, that's, and yeah. that is what this is, because there's tracks on here uh, that are simply describing a toy, really, 
to a child. It's sort of like, you are a special friend and but I this hug is you the... at the night and you are a good and everyone's special. And it all is yeah. basically an ad for the toy. Well, no, it's basically a concept album featuring the Cabbage Patch Kids dolls. So there's a story running through it of these villains who want to get rid of the Cabbage Patch dolls because of reason. But it is part of that whole era where this, you can see, this wasn't conceived as a creative project no. before the toy came along. The toy was the first thing, and which someone, led to this. Do you see what I mean? And someone said, hey, you're two songwriters, right? Can you write We've us got a this couple toy of and this is the concept. So it's it's the concept isn't coming from creative people trying to make no, good here's, shows here's for kids. Toys. It's coming from it's directly from the toy manufacturers yeah. trying to sell the stuff. Do we you see what I mean? So a... in that case, in that way, it is very emblematic yeah. or typical of kind of Reagan era toys. Yeah, we want this like He Man and Transformers yeah. being the other Captain ones. Captain Planet and all of those. All they're those. toys first, and then the creative Transformers. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Comes so after. you know all that shit. And again. It's like, we just need you to come up with a story, a hero's journey for these characters, yes. and they're going to learn something along the way. But what we're going to do is play a song from the album right now. It's not the theme tune to uh, Cabbage Patch Kids. It's a song called Villains 3. And why did we decide to play this song from the album? Because this uh, has the villains of the piece. Yes. Uh, introducing them. Mm-hmm. There's a girl villain. Yes. Called Valent... Val- Cal- uh, she's called Lavender, I, I believe. I don't know. Something like uh, that. I don't know. Anyway, but as we listened to this, Paul, we noticed... The two, her two henchmen. Yeah. One who's the cabbage eater. Yeah. And the other one who is a con, a cunning snake in the cunning grass. snake in the grass. Greedy. They're kind of racist and stereotyped. Oh, just they? a little bit leaning the to the cabbage stereo. eater. Kind of the Negro. You know, it's the Brer Rabbit, the, the kind country's of country yeah. bumpkin style Negro yeah. stereotype. I mean, we uh, don't know who did the voices, so and, I couldn't even tell. Uh, and the snake. Is quite clearly an Eastern European Jew. Yeah, uh, basically, isn't it? <laughs> it's very Fagan-esque, isn't it? It's like quite I clearly. like my gold and yeah. my treasure, and, he and it's is like, like we'll get it in the bank. And it's and it, the voice is very even insidious. more so than the kind of Negro voice, right? So yeah. reasonably offensive, reasonably offensive caricatures. Very offensive, I'd say. Let's and listen, the whole let's the whole the whole album has a kind of. Uh, oh God! Let me just listen. To, let's let them listen to it. All right. Lavender went and found the biggest and ugliest jackrabbit in the county. And who are you? Mm, I'm Cabbage Jack. Cabbages, cabbages, yum, yum, yum. Cabbages, cabbages, give me some. A cabbage for my dinner, a cabbage for my snack. Cabbages all the time, cabbages. For Cabbage Jack. Very good. And from out of his hole in the swamp south of the Cabbage Patch came a slithery, slimy weasel. And who are you? Oh, weasel, at your service, Miss McDade. So pleased to meet you. When do I get paid? Nickels, dimes, and quarters make a satisfying drink. But gold, gold, gold is so much simpler. Don't you think? Right, so I've played a little clip to demonstrate the voices, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of racist. Just a little bit. Very. Just a little bit. Very. I mean, it's certainly, even if it wasn't But they're trying to be inclusive with the design of the dolls, because you do have It was like Care Bears dolls. as well. Remember all that stuff as well? Care Bears, what, had a nasty Jew character? Or no, but they had a movie, baddie. didn't they, that had just an excuse to sell more toys because they brought in the Care Bear Cousins right. for it. Yeah. Were, were they racist, though? No, the villain in that was a book that scared me. Remember the book? And like, it it? had a woman's face in the middle. And oh, it, was like, it was a woman. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think that was the implication. Anyway. She was just a witch in a book. Yeah, witch. That's a negative stereotype Such for women, isn't it? You don't yeah. get male witches, do you? Well, they're, they're warlocks. 
But that's a warlock sounds cool, doesn't it? It does, you're right, actually. You've it doesn't got sound point. like an ugly You've old crone, does it? made a very good sociological point. Thank you. It's not the right word. But anyway, uh, this is also available on cassette. And I was going to say before, don't show me the quid. It's fine. We're doing fine here. So, uh, also, it has a very country and western yeah. style. Good music. old boys. Uh, you might have noticed from that uh, tune. And the production standards are very high. It's very yeah. well produced. And they want... the instrumentation is all very slickly recorded. Well you know sung. What... It's and, fine. Yeah. It, and they what have it is. child performers singing their things. It's just cloying and horrible. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I, I disgusting, play... a disgusting sort of cash-in with the racism and sort of stereotypes. And also the way they have Babyland, which is the cabbage Creepy. patch, where they have bumblebees that are like bunnies. Yeah. And they're like... They are created from the ground. So it's like all avoiding, again, yeah. sort of proper sex education about where babies really no, come they, from. They, I mean, you grow them in, in the ground out of cabbages. Yeah. And then you give them is to strangers. Is that where I came from? Why yeah. would mummy and daddy... What you look connection? like the worst cabbage patch doll in the world. <laughs> like one that was pulled up by its feet. It doesn't matter. I'm a little little cabbage monster. I'm a little zombie plant monster. It's like a fucking... It could... If it wasn't a kid's toy range, it could be a sort of a 1950s sci-fi horror well, film, couldn't you, it? Well, you just don't know. They might be the Midwich Cuckoos. Well, did they grow out of the ground? I don't know. No, I think they just turned up, didn't they? They like, were like alien kids. And they were yeah, like, but they were oh, born don't of look human... At me. Yeah, no, that's Village of... of the Damned. Oh, what am I thinking of? Midwich Cuckoos is something else, but it's John Wyndham. Anyway... You're thinking... Oh, is, um, that, they, is that what... Um, that, perhaps Midwich Cuckoos was the book that Village of the Damned, the film yeah, was based maybe on. maybe that's, that's it, it then. Yeah, so I think mm. it's the same idea. Anyway. Uh, Can we stop talking about it now? I'm bored. <sighs> fuck me. Have you got anything else to add? It's Cabbage Patch Kids. We've heard a bit of the song. We think it's a bit dubious. Still high production value. Are we going to have a bit of the, the theme? To right at the very end of the episode. Okay. You look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We're saving the happy ending for the happy ending. Right. You've deflated me. By saying that was boring. <laughs> well done. What's brilliant, the next one? Brilliant production technique. We just spent cool. a lot of time on that one. I was just getting bored and zoning out. Sun's come out. Next one. All-time sing-along all party hits. Outside the yeah, it's, it's lovely now. It's it was raining lovely. before. It's all bright and lovely. And there's people walking and there's people listening. And Talk about Bernard Manning's comedy sing-along knees-up party album. It's not called that, Paul. But next on... Silverman's Platter. What have we got? By We've the way, got... Cabbage Patch Kids... Two out of five. Two out of five? Yeah. Yeah. Well made, but pointless. No, no, nothing fun about it. And also the stereotypes. Yeah. Actually quite stereotyped. And yeah, just a little bit weird. unpleasant. We're unpleasant. Anyway, what's this one? This is, talking of racism, Paul, yeah, Bernard Manning and Joe Piano Henderson's all-time sing-along party hits. Oh, so And these sing-along party hits include... Yeah. Trudy. Oh. Little Brown Jug. Oh. Lambeth Walk. Nice. Old Lang Syne. Beautiful. I Love Lassie. Good. Knees Up Mother Brown. Of course you do. Hokey Cokey. At once. Paddy McGinty's Goat. I've heard of that. Saints Go Marching In. Lovely. We'll Keep a Welcome. I need it. Stop Your Tickling Jock. I try. Racist. Coming Round the Mountain. Racist. If You're Irish, Come Into the Parlour. Racist. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it's a good old around the piano sing-along. And Bernard Manning is a comedian from the North whose execution in terms of delivery, timing of stand-up comedy is textbook perfect. Very it's just, good. yes. He deals in sexism and racism like you would not believe. Yes. And he's a, you know, he's very one of those much of his time. Working, working men's club, stand-up comedian from the North. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a lovely night family in here tonight. Yeah. But, 
I'm going to do a racist gag for you. Get, yeah. get up to a nice warm, and friendly start. gags. And he was just, he, that was his stock in trade. Wasn't yeah. It? That but sort he, of stuff. But did, you're right. He didn't like, a good I never offended anyone. I make fun of everyone the same. Everyone the same. Sort of. Mm, well, no. Mostly blacks, though. <laughs> yeah, Bernard, yeah, Bernard, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Mostly people of colour. That's yeah. what you want to go yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. So but, um, that's him. So he's singing on this. And because he's a singer. And on the cover, you've got his massive head. Yeah. And it's as if he's standing behind the piano. With a load of lovely saucy ladies. Some saucy ladies and some uh, a guy with a big nose there. Yeah. Drinking a pint in one of those blokes. old-fashioned segmented pint pot glasses. Pub, good old pub British blokes. They are blokes. And then he is obviously with the piano player. He looks like Lenny Henry from A Game for a Laugh. Joe and, Piano Henderson. Well, to me, he looks like the host of Going like for Gold. He looks like he's got dodgy tooth teeth he looks like he's got gum disease of some sort he probably there. does but he has to smile when he plays the piano doesn't he he's always smiling he's smiling it, Joe. so we're going to play a little uh, track sung by bernard manning himself it's called uh, if you knew susie if you knew susie here we go What a lovely knees up that was. Not really. It's crazy that, depressing. That takes, the me whole back fact- to a, that takes me back to a Britain that I think a lot of us miss. The pre-Europe Britain, you know, when we went involved with, with, with Germany, you know, it, it takes me back to a Britain just after the Second World War that was it's better, not, where everyone was happier. It's from and we didn't have so many people mixing. This was released people. in 1979. You know I mean? 79. It's so strange that this was sort of a cultural thing. That people would actually get this, stick it on at a party, whatever, stick you know, the when they had the relatives round. In the year of 1979, where you have things going on yeah. in culture, like punk rock is already two years old. Yeah. I mean, and this is still But there's still that acceptable. Brit- that as Britain still exists, though. There are still pockets of that it does, Britain. But what would the equivalent of someone buying this all-time sing-along party hits and sticking it on like at their my party? my nan. My nan who has his 70th birthday of Enid down the road, who's somehow managed to they, live through three husbands. Would they listen to something like that? Yes, they'd hire, up, they'd hire out the local pub, or they'll hire out a kind of a, a town hall, and they'll stick that on. They'll actually stick that on? Yeah, that and it's in the background exist. while they talk about better days gone by when you can leave your front door open. You know what I mean? Just weird. It's a part of Britain that doesn't exist anymore, but without being too controversial, it's a, it's that slice of Britain, the, the pro-exit Brexit, Pro-Brexit. the leave people want to go back to. But it never existed. It never existed. And then it's when a it fantasy. Did, yeah, it's a fantasy of this good old Britain. It's the same Britain that round goes... the piano, all knees up round the yeah, piano. Yeah. Who, 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 who are stuck onto the fact that we won the Second World War and the yeah. World Cup once in 1966, yeah, yeah. and that's still Britain. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it was 60, 70 years ago. There's a rainbow. There's a rainbow. rainbow from the pod, Paul. Oh. This is, it's a special moment. It's a very special moment. Episode 54. 
when the rainbow came out. Racist records. Racist records on the rainbow. Uh, so oh. yeah, and on the back, it's very the music. The quality of the music is very poor. He's a terrible singer who's just yeah. As but you did, said, didn't they he say he used of, to open for Frank Sinatra in Las Vegas? Yeah, for he a few opens years. for Frank Sinatra. I don't think he maybe sang. I mean, do you think he sang? He probably just did a story and then sang a tune or something. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Las Vegas. We got Frank Sinatra on, but I know you're here to see me, lady. Hey, have you, you're all right, love. You you enjoying yourself? Why don't you tell your face, you fucking cunt? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Frank Sinatra is going to come on stage and glass some woman and then sing I Did It My Way. Yeah. Right, okay, so, yeah. And it's all, a lot of it, and uh, you've got the people having the party. Yeah. You can hear them in between the tracks. Cheering and clapping. Yay! Yay! Keep the party atmosphere going. And so that's to keep the atmosphere going. So it is a ready-made party on a record. And if you're a and serial I- killer and, you know, you do your murders in silence, why not drag them back to your flat Put this on. Very loudly. Very loudly. And use the dulcet tones of Bernard Manning to drown out your slaughter. These two artists, it says on the back, Paul. Yes. Together with Joe's Rhythm Group and the Michael John Singers. Yeah. Make all-time sing-along party hits a perfect party LP. Or, indeed, Indeed. just the record to play at almost any time. Any Any time. time. Any time. Whether on your own. Yeah. To cheer yourself up. Oh. Oh. Or with happy sing-along group of friends around you. Oh. If you imagine putting this on to cheer yourself up when you're on your own, I can just envision it. You're in a terrible little stinky, greasy bedsit yeah. on the seafront in like Wigan or something. Mm. You know? Yeah. And you stick this on, and it's all crackly. Knees up, Mother Brown. Knees up, Mother Brown. And you drink some, you drink some methylated spirits. Have some peas. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to provide content that people want to fucking listen to, you know, about our records and stuff. But you are just losing it. What do you give that album out of five? Pounds? One out of five. I really didn't like it. It depresses me, the whole concept of it. It's just a weird, just, just no. It's too light entertainment. Just, it's beyond light entertainment. It's, it's, I would go with you with that. I would say one. It's If you're connected to that material and it reminds you of a better time, you're going to love it. If you're me, it makes you think you've reached the lowest part of your life yeah. and there's no change it's on the way. really depressing. Yeah. yeah. So the last song I think we're going to talk about today is something I found in a shop in Oxfam in Cambridge. And it is Tribe of Tofts, John Ketley is a weatherman. Santa's got the voice of a tenor Peter Snow sings very low Mark Burano is soprano John Ketley John Ketley John Ketley He's a weatherman John Ketley is a weatherman A weatherman A weatherman John Ketley is a weatherman And so is Michael Fish Simon Parkins always larking, Eric Lane is the same. Jonathan Ross collects moss, John Ketley. John Ketley. John Ketley. He's a weatherman. John Ketley is a weatherman, weatherman, weatherman. John Ketley is a weatherman, and so is Michael Fish. I like that song. I know it's a novelty song. That's what I was going to bring up. It's a novelty tune. Or was marketed or was a hit because of the novelty value of the John Ketley being yeah. a weatherman. Not your usual 
subject for a pop song, is it? No, at all. It was very um, uh, surreal. Uh, did it chart? I, you know what? I actually don't know. Let's do the research then, shall we? Uh, John Ketley is a weatherman. In 1988, novelty song written by the band The Tribe of Toffs from Sunderland. The song peaked at number 21 in the UK singles. Okay, so not, not too huge bad back hit. then. Back then, it probably would have made some dough. Made yeah, some bank. Enough. Yeah. Um, John Ketley, if you don't know, uh, referred into in the title, is a British weatherman who uh, at a time presented national forecasts on BBC TV. So he was there saying, and there's a cold front coming in, and it's going to be warm around And there 20- must be a sort of a, a, a warmth towards him, because there was a warmth towards this record, I remember, at the time. it was Everyone saw it as a, he was bit, cuddly. Of, a bit of fun. There was a bit more they? celebrity status to being a weatherman back then, because there were a few of them, and they were more well-known. Yes, they were, because now they're Michael just Fish. Penny, aren't they? I can't yeah. even... Well, the song lists all the celebrities in the song. So we've got John Ketley, Michael Fish, Bill Giles. Michael Fish, of course, was the one who... There is no hurricane coming. There is no hurricane. And then there was a hurricane. There was quite a lot of damage. I was in a shed. I was in a shed and the 86 hurricane. Sucking dick titty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the shed blew over. Oh, great. And you were sitting on the toilet with your pants down. No, there was no toilet in the shed. shaking the air going... It was in my bedroom shed. It was a bedroom shed I shared with another pupil. Why do you sound like a Harry Potter character now? I was at boarding school. Anyway. I am Harry Potter-like. Yeah. More than you. I thought you're not magical. Fucking am. And the scar you got on your head from was when you were pissed and fell over. What? How did Harry Potter get a scar? He was born with it. Oh, actually, the magic that was used to protect him caused him to have a scar on his head. <sighs> you asked. Right, so Ian McCaskill, Wincy Willis, Bernard Davey. Oh, I know McCaskill. Senna. Yeah. Wincy none Willis. of those other ones. Wincy Willis was famous for doing TVAM's weather. Wincy Willis? Yeah. A real name. Peter Snow, Mark Barano, Simon Parkin, Eric Lane, Jonathan Ross, Lester Piggott. Jonathan they, Ross? Yeah. He gets a name check in it. He was is around he, in 98. Is he a weatherman? No, he was just around in 1988. No, not all the people on the song are, are weathermen. So uh, what? Is there a bit where they're going, these are some celebrities no, they that just aren't slip it in. They just slip it in, in the rhyme. So, you know, uh, uh, okay. Senna, he's on, he got, owes me a tenner, uh, Lester Piggott, And what does John Ketley owe them? I mean, I did listen Nothing. to this, listeners. He didn't know them anything, he's just a weatherman. That's the point of the joke, isn't it? The song is like, all these people have rhyming thick jobs. But John Ketley is a weatherman. Ah, so ah. it's like subverting. It's like, oh, I've gone gone to, I couldn't give you a buck, but I sure do want to put it over there. Yeah. It's like that. It's, it's that not, kind of it's joke. It's not like that. Oh, uh, uh, I've got a real big hit in the charts, and now I'm going to take a massive penny and put it... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Give my quid back. All right, no. Lester Piggott, David Icke. Oh, we all know David Icke, TV presenter, sportscaster, and then... Uh, Nutter! Sad, paranoid, delusion, uh, crazed man uh, who believes lizards run the world. He, he quite literally believes a Semitic tribe of lizards and the moon doesn't aliens. exist. Is that right? And, and then, the moon and, does not exist. Yeah, or there's an alien spaceship on it or something. I don't know. Oh, there's a spaceship behind a big Jamming screen. Jamming the signals. Yeah. So we all go, oh, we must follow the rich men for they are our masters. That's how I all sheep. Sheeples? We, is that how yeah. sheeples? Is that your sheeple impression? How oh, I'm a sheeple. No. <laughs> Johnny Marr, David Steele, Chuck Knox, Andy Crane. They're all people referenced okay, in the song. there you go. And this is what I wanted to play as well right now, uh, the B-side to it, which is a Christmas hit. And it's really good. It's, a, it's about a love song for Julie Andrews. I'll play a little bit of it now. Christmas Eve, I was feeling sick Nothing on but the sound of music Suddenly I could not choose between Linda Lusardi and Julie Andrews 
I think that's a B-side. I like it. Yeah. The guitar work is quite high standard, I'd it's say. They've got, they're obviously a, a, a serious band, weren't they? Of I some don't know, because that was the only, apparently they're the only hits they had. Yeah, but that's what I mean. They, that was a hit because it had novelty. Yeah. But they're always an actual, you can tell by the quality of the tune, well, put, they are an actual group. Yeah, right? they, I mean, they obviously went to a music school together. And or whatever, learned, yeah. but they are an actual group. And the guitars yeah. were right. It's sort of that indie. It's got that indie vibe. It's as right well, before the nineties, though, isn't yeah. it? So you're thinking this is right before like uh, uh, Wonder Stuff. Yeah. You could imagine they would have been part of that, maybe. Totally. Maybe. That's what I Chumba mean. Chumba yeah. Wonder Stuff. That's what I mean. They weren't Counting like a lot of these novel re- novelty records. No. It's uh, a novelty. A lot record, of these novelty but... records are just put together by a cynical producer and a radio DJ yeah. or something. That's not. They're an actual group. It's a gimmicky song, but it's actually memorable and fun to listen to, yeah. and it's mem- and know. wasn't just sort of created wholly yeah. as this artifact just to be a novelty. It's record. a nice sing along song. It's a group doing an, a novelty it's better song. Than, it's better than like Star Trekking by The Firm. Yeah, which is oh, fucking or annoying. like things we've covered on the platter section before, yeah. like you know, I'll be back. Yeah, that and shit. Mr. Angry and oh. all of that, you know. And that racist Scottish chip shop song. Yeah, Chinky Chips. No, we don't yeah. have to mention it again. Jesus, we'll just move on. Right. So that's the platter. I'm going to give that four out of five. I like Tribe of Toffs. I'll give it three. Fair enough. I'll give it three, Paul. Fair enough. Yeah. Can I have the quid back? If you give it I'll five. give it three and a five. It's five out of five. We'll see. I don't even know why. You've stolen a pound from me. It's, you know. it's there for you to get back. You can't do that. You can What's what's coming up on the show? Well, Paul? it's our big finale now. Aha! Aha! <laughs> no, we can't say that. <laughs> no, we can't say that. No, it's like what's going? All right. So, what's coming up on the show now? Paul? We're going to be playing our finale. And what's that? Well, let's find out. Oh, what's this, avid listener? You may be aware that the sound quality is ever so slightly changed. Well, don't worry. We ran out of time in the pod, and so we've decided just for you to record a little bit more. Extra cheap show, just to pad it out. Aren't they lucky, Eli? They're extremely lucky, especially with my sound quality, which must be fucking shit. It's not great, (laughs) but we're going to fix that. We're going to fix it, don't worry. And soon you too will be minty fresh audibly in someone's ear. The last time I was minty fresh was about 96. Audibly or in your mouth? (laughs) In my mouth. I don't (laughs) Can we start again? (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, my well, breath smells. I like the idea Any, of something anyone being else? minty fresh in your... <laughs> your breath is lovely. It only ever so slightly smells of garbage, uh, junk food and death. <sighs> Good, well, anyway, so what we got I for this, what, this section then, Paul? So I went to a charity shop, right, and um, I found this amazing deal. Two books, 50p each, by um, Octopus Publishing. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, nice big thick books, hardback. Those were like an eighties, didn't they? Do sort of picture photo books as well, sort of with uh, I think of so. ghosts and stuff, that kind of thing. I think. Yeah, that kind of thing. I think. Uh, so I got two books. One is called "The World's Greatest Cranks and Crackpots" by Margaret Nicholas, 
and the second is called The World's Greatest Crooks and Con Men and Other Mischievous Malefactors by Nigel Blundell. Now, you see, I can, I can differentiate between a crook and a con man. They are criminals, but they both work in different ways. A crook will just rip you off uh, and won't sort of cover it up, and a con man will take you into their confidence and then use that as a way to rip you off. But what is, what's the difference between a cr- crackpot and a crank? Well, a crackpot is it levels is of somewhat... insanity? So I, I, I a think crank is slightly mad. A crackpot is f- full, full wazoo. Yeah, it's full blarney. Whoop whoop, ding dong, wibble wibble, flop flop, <laughs> ping pong. I am the king of Sweden. You blibble, are now literally what? nicking lines from Blackadder. No, I might have said something similar to Blackadder, but I wasn't. Yeah, going... kind of totally did the whole Blackadder thing. Oh, well, Mr. Original. Oh, yes, at least I am. Me out. You're not. At least not every other thing I say is from some fucking forgotten episode of Bottom. No, every other thing that you say is fucking, I shat it, I shit the bed. At least I when shat. I say I shit the bed, that was yeah, something the... I came up with. And you were there. Right, so You were there, yeah, Paul. I, I was there when the magic of you saying, I, I shat, shit, the, I like, shat yeah. the bed, yes. Using the, yeah, the, I am... using the verb, that's the clever bit of that sentence. Cause I used oh, the you past... turned shit into shat? Yes. Then that's your magic? That's part of the magic. Is that the gift that you give? Your the gift of shat. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to open one of those books in the future. It's like the world's greatest wits and bon viveurs by Ma- Margaret Nichols, and I open it and it's like, oh look, there's one about oh Chaucer, and there's one about oh, Oscar Wilde, and then oh look, there's Eli. Oh Eli, well known for his quote, "I shat a bed." <laughs> yeah, best believe it, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I can't remember what the fucking point was. Anyway, a crank is someone who's maybe a bit of a meanie, maybe a bit of a curmudgeon, a bit of a a tightwad, you could argue. Hmm? Uh, I think think it definitely overlaps with tightwad, doesn't it? Yes. And meanwhile, a crackpot is uh, a wibbly wibbly. Yeah, someone who's got the the old tinfoil helmet. Yes. You know what they say, isn't it? If, if If you're poor, you're crazy. But if you're rich, you're eccentric. Exactly. Also, if you're poor, you... You die sooner, and if you're rich, yeah, you're a cunt. Another oh, one, look, another one for, for the, the book. book. <laughs> yeah, the world's greatest wits and bomb vivers. <laughs> Eli Silverman listed again. I can't wait. Lovely. So anyway, I went for these books because you know we like telling stories about I don't know, you know, the dirtiest, the cheapest, then you know all those kind of things. I thought these books would be great for material like that. And if we're being honest, it is a complete steal from the dollop. But I don't care. Don't say that. Don't just don't I, say that. The, the reason why I don't care is a they're much better at it than us, which is fine. They're witter, <laughs> wittier. They're wittier. They're, witter. Cle- <laughs> they're wittier. Cleverer. Clever. More clever. <laughs> more articulate. More articulate. Well, they are. They are indeed. More articulate. Shut up. Um, meanwhile, we what we do is a, is a homage to them and not a blatant steal, which in itself would be true to Cheap Show. Okay. Okay. You don't agree with me at all, do you? You just think it's me desperately reaching for material to do. I do not think that, Paul. I think the bits that we've done, which are sort of historical investigations with improvisation, have been very good, you know, and a bit different from our usual calling each other a cunt for half an hour thing. Even though that would prove just as popular. Yeah, but I I think you should sort of, like, uh, play down the whole, this is like the dollop thing, because no one needs to know that. 
uh, you know. Although, well, then instead of calling this dollopesque, we'll call it Cheap Show Investigates. Yes. By not doing much investigation and just reading verbatim from Wikipedia or a book he's found in a charity shop. Perfect. It's not as catchy, and it might be harder to work into a jingle, but it's a start. Jingle my ass. There we go. There's another one for the book. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> right, so the book I'm going to read from today is uh, a, a short story called... Uh, I'm going to read from The World's Greatest Cranks and Crackpots. I thought that would be okay. a nice one to ease us in. And there's a nice short story here, which I thought would appeal to you somewhat. Because I feel, in some respects, you and the hero of this story will share a lot of uh, problems, a lot of, uh, lot of issues, familiar kind of um, uh, heritage. What, why do you um, say that, Paul? Uh, because the story is called The World's Worst Actor. I see. Mm, yes. By struggling actor Eli Silverman, basic star, because, you know, he wrote it, of Clankerman, which means he got a free pass on that. Well done. Mate, I was in place as the lead on Clankerman from the start. Just want to say yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I know. But, you know, then they saw the script and they were like, oh, Christ. All right, let's get this drama school dropout in and then we'll get him <laughs> done. And drama fuck. school dropout. <laughs> I did my whole year with the French clown. Give me the story of the world's worst actor that isn't right, me. Then it... Isn't me, because I'm just not the well, world's well, you're worst. You're not great, because you can't do accents. You're not really good at emoting. Unless you're playing a version of yourself, you don't really do much. Fuck so, you. you know, at least I have play. the basic ability to communicate with my mouth. Just start the story, Paul. Here is the story of the world's worst actor. Um, okay, so let's just start off with, a, with an example. Of this character, can I have his name? I mean, I'm reading it as the book reads it, so there's a bit of uh, scene setting first before we get into the nitty gritty of it all. All right. Fuck me. All right. The performance of Romeo and Juliet was drawing to its close. Oh, I must say again, this was written by Margaret Nichols. So all, what's the word? All credit to her. She wrote all of this, and we're just reading it out. She wrote it. Yeah. I mean, this book was written in 1981. So are we going to pay her right now? Are we going to pay her for this? The performance of Romeo and Juliet was drawing to its close, and Shakespeare's immortal lovers were about to be reunited in death. But strange things were happening on stage. Romeo appeared flourishing a crowbar, and the audience sat dumbfounded as he struggled to prize open Juliet's tomb. There's your opening gambit. What do you think about that? Right, so he's just basically... He's, he's already... He's got problems with props, yeah? Well, Which, he's you got know. problems with endings, because this is what it says. The actor... Robert Coates had been improvising the classics again. He had convinced himself that Shakespeare's original ending was too tame and had it rewritten to suit his talents. So he's sitting there looking at one of the Bard's most famous works and he goes, what this play really needs, instead of a tragic end between, you know, teenage lovers separated by family and hatred, is I'm going to break into the coffin with a crowbar and fuck it. <laughs> she doesn't fuck it. What, and she's what else are you going to do? She's alive. In the in the coffin, so it must be that must have been his idea. Like she, you no, know, I, so it's his not idea, so sad, you know. No, his idea was to like rip open the coffin with the crowbar yeah. and boff a corpse. That's what he was going to do. <laughs> he was going to boff it and boff it and boff it and boff it. I mean, you say that, but they did, didn't they? In the in the Victorian era, they completely fucked with Shakespeare a lot because they it what didn't suit the times or something, you know. Um, there's a there's a tradition I, I of people making sort of culturally based changes to Shakespeare, especially the tragedies with the, the with the you know everyone dies endings. Well, this guy was banging around in the beginning of the 1800s, so I think at this point he's he's just he just thinks he's the new 
hot shit actor, doesn't yeah. he? I like the crowbar. Oh, the crowbar's a nice touch it's because they look. had that. It's like they a cl- had clanking that. paddle. Yeah, <gasps> maybe that's what it is. Maybe he was the first clanker man. <laughs> Honestly, I'm seeing a parallel there. You know, an actor just... who uses a crowbar. I can yeah. relate to that. So it goes on to say, cheated of the usual tender death scene, the audience was soon on its feet, booing and jeering and throwing orange peel. His fellow actors begged Coates to leave the stage, certain that the heavier missiles would follow, but he stood his ground, hurling back insults and catcalls until a distressed manager brought down the curtain. What a what a professional. I mean, he's not he doesn't sound very professional at all. <laughs> well no, he's sitting there going, No, you fuck off. Yeah. No, you fuck off. <laughs> I will not be leaving the stage. I will not be. <laughs> I will not be until I've boffed this corpse. It sounds like he sounds like a really bad open mic stand-up, doesn't he? Who's like, yeah. no, this I did the gong show at the at the calf the other day, and it this fucking blew them away. Why aren't you laughing? You can't. No, Why I won't. Are you laughing? You, you're shit. You're a shit audience. It's not me. You're shit. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, there's people crying in the audience, and for whatever reason, orange peel was the thing to throw. I think that was the thing that to was. throw. Well, they, why orange peel? It goes back to the Reformation, Paul, where they were known... Is this a genuine fact you're about to tell me? Yes. Uh, Excellent. Where the, uh, the prostitutes were known as the orange girl, orange sellers. This is Ooh. we're talking about the British theatre. Uh, yeah. I think the Reformation is the late 1600s. I'm okay. not really on on, but I, and they were prostitutes. Enough, so but... orange selling was something that went on in the theatre, and it was associated with prostitution. That's the, all I know. So it, so it doesn't it surprise the... me. It fits in that they would be throwing orange peels because I think there was a lot of orange consuming of oranges in the theatre. It was like the popcorn of its day. Yes, but more expensive. I think it was quite exclusive, wasn't it? Early 1800s. Oranges weren't like a... Yeah, but would you want to buy an orange off a prosy in the 1800s? You don't yeah, know where it's been. Lick the syphilis off it. It's got a syphilis frosting. Crispy syphilis frosting. Crispy syphilis frosting. And then, you know, you wipe that off and then you're good to go. And you've got something to throw at the... Yeah, the the hack actor. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So scenes like this were expected whenever Coates stepped onto the stage in Regency London. He was probably the worst actor in the history of the theatre, but nothing could shake his belief that he was God's gift to grease paint. And again, like you were saying about stand-up, there are some stand-ups who go on stage, do a horrible ten to fifteen minutes, come off and go, yeah, that went, that went really well. That was a bit tough, but I think they got, I got them on side at the end. Yeah, especially when I called that woman on the front row an ugly fat cunt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that was that was the bit that really got them on side. I think. Yeah, that's the problem um, with uh, stand-up comedy. One of the myriad of problems, Paul. That one of the myriad is that you have to have a thick skin, but also be very sensitive. Do you see what I mean? Yes. And it's that weird. Yes. It's that balance that a lot of people just can't. You know. I certainly didn't have a thick skin for stand-up. Yes, that was uh, something I struggled with as well, but. Uh, you know, but fuck them now. We don't need your stupid little stand. No, we could shows. just say fuck on on the on the internet. Yeah, and well, you cunt, you, and fuck and you, and, and wanker. I'm gonna jack jack into your mouth <laughs> and shut the bed. Shut the bed. Copyright. These are all. We don't need to go to a stand up show and do all these. When right now, someone's listening to this and going, "Why do I like this fucking show again?" <laughs> they really. It's really. Uh. We're testing them. Anyway, whenever he appeared. There were riots, uproars, and threats of lynching and gales of laughter. I like the idea of an actor being lynched, though. Don't know you why. You like that idea. You, you like Just the idea of, of 
of corporal punishment, do you? For performances. Well, let me weigh that up really, realistically and sensibly. Yeah, I fucking want it. Can Noel Edmonds be involved in this in some way? Noel Edmonds is heavily involved because he's <laughs> I, I make him the executioner yeah. so every murder Mate, weighs upon him I really that's a great piece of casting I really see Noel as an ex- executioner because you know he'd do it with the same kind of glee as he would putting someone in a gunge tank yeah, or the grab a grand exactly. box but with the cold the coldness behind the eyes the, the steely steely coldness the empty yeah. the empty fly buzzing around in a ball of skull yeah and just and just and just as you know he pulls the lever and you know, the actor drops and he starts choking. Noel Edmonds comes up, giggling, pulls his beard down and his little hat and goes, Oh, you get to gotcha. Oh. <laughs> Can. Anyway, it's cheap, cheap, cheap's been cancelled. So uh, we we have it, lived Has on. it literally been cancelled? Well, it had very low viewing figures. And as of the recording of this show, it's on the bubble. We don't know if it's coming back, but it's not looking likely. Okay. So we win, unless that comes back, in which case we don't win. Well, and then we'll be pathetically have... begging for a spot on the show. <laughs> he'll, he'll do something else, won't he? Okay, so... Oh, God, we've gone off on a massive tangent. Okay, so... Those who appeared on the same stage as him were often struck dumb with embarrassment or fear. At one performance of Romeo and Juliet, his favourite play, Juliet became so terrified by the uh, shouting of the crowd that she clung to a pillar, refusing to go, and crying with frustration. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That's how I feel when I do comedy with you. Coates was an exotic figure. He came from Antigua in the West Indies, where his father was a wealthy merchant. His Creole complexion and black hair made him particularly striking. So did his passion for wearing diamonds. Ah, uh, so he was mixed race. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I, I believe so. I don't have all the... And it sounds like his details. dad was like a nasty slave owner, doesn't it? We just don't know. We d- I don't know too much was, more than this what book. What was his dad's job? His dad was a wealthy merchant. So we it's, right. we just don't know right. what he did. It would be wrong of us to say that his dad owned slaves. Although it was Britain in the 1700s, and it's, it's yeah, likely. It's fucking likely. Um, he fell in love with the theatre as a boy. His determination to act, despite his lack of talent, survived constant ridicule. So he's one of these guys who is completely oblivious to f- reality. Can you imagine, can you think yeah. of anyone, Eli, in your world, who is into acting, not very good at it, but convinces himself on a daily basis that he's actually quite good, no matter what people, critics and friends say to him? Can you th- Can you think of anything or anyone like that? I mean, I was, I was, I was thinking of you. You were thinking of me. I was trying to suggest I, you. I don't go, go, go on. Hello, I'm Mexican. Listen, hello, that's, I'm French. Hello, just because I can't I'm do Welsh. accents. Just because I can't do accents. Have you ever seen Robert De Niro do an accent? He yeah. Was, what? He did a very funny. No, I've not seen him do an no, accent. No, you haven't. I've had to you think about it. You fucking haven't. So he, yeah, he played. He played a very good Italian in um, all his films. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's not. You know, it's good to be good with voices, vocal range, accents. Very important aspect of some type of actor's work. It's different. Yes. It's a it's a smorgasbord of different abilities, mm. and it, you know, it's about like uh, Sir Ian McKellen said. Famously, yeah. What did he say? He said all actors really only have one thing, meaning sort of one type of character, yeah, or type of emotional 
thing that they're really good at. And some actors are very lucky and they might have two. And it's very rare if they have three things. But he was right. And I think that's especially true for film acting. Yeah. Where it's very different. It's very difficult to... The more artifice that you put into a performance on film, the the, the worse it reads. Do you know what I mean? You have to sort of connect to something that's <sighs> that's genuine. God. So tell me about fucking Bobby Boy Coates then, yeah? All right, well, he was... He first appeared on the English stage in 1809. However, it was his playing of Romeo in the fashionable spa town of Bath a year later that made his name. He designed his costume for the part, and his first entrance brought the house down. He came on in a flowing cloak, spangled with sequins, voluminous red pantaloons, an enormous cravat, and a stylish plumed hat. Sounds good. Sounds, sounds like, classy. Sounds like his costume games, are, uh, you know, on fleek. He's all over that. He's on fleek that. I mean... You could argue, to use a RuPaul uh, drag race term, he sissied that role. Right. So this started starting good, but then what? He couldn't talk properly, and like, he, what? He... No, he just had a habit of just not giving a fuck about being a good actor or remembering his lines yeah. or, you know, preferring how things were originally written as yeah. opposed to how he thinks they should end. Yeah. He went on tour in the British Isles, creating pandemonium everywhere he went. He constantly forgot his lines. <laughs> he invented scenes as he went along. And then he turned to address the audience whenever he thought it was getting out of hand. <laughs> so it's, what, what a cunt, though. Yeah. To be on stage doing some really moving moment and then pull out a slide whistle and go, Oh, hello. <laughs> It's hard not to sort of connect this with his sort of uh, wealthy upbringing. Sounds like a spoiled child who, you know... He might have been spoiled and got away way. with murder. Yeah. God, I just don't like the idea of inventing scenes halfway through. Like, what? what especially the, the plays at the time, like Shakespeare, Hamlet. It's like, die! No. Yeah. Now, I'm just, going to do meant- another three minutes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fucking roll the, uh, the skull around uh, with my hand. And then I'm gonna like climb up this bit of scenery. Then get your tits out, love. Get your tits get out. Get your tits out. <laughs> he was probably like that because <laughs> the other actors hated him. He was probably always trying to fucking encourage like the female uh, actors to uh, known as actresses in in English, in the trade uh, yeah. to uh, to uh, bear themselves. And he probably got he probably got all chummy with the guys as well. He probably just wanted to improvise lovemaking, didn't he? Horny bastard. <sighs> Anyway, if he enjoyed playing a scene, he would quite happily repeat it three or four times. Oh, God. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I love that. And alack, poor, alack, poor Yorick, I knew him so well. Round of applause. Did you like it? Did you like it? Should we do it for the chop? Should we do it for the chop, ladies and yeah. gentlemen? Terrible. So he had no respect for playwrights, other actors, or, uh, you know, the conventions of storytelling. No, not at all. He just liked being in the limelight the whole time. He loved dramatic death scenes and had no qualms about breathing his last breath several times oh over. He is that actor who you see on stage who gets shot or knifed and goes, Ah! Oh! <laughs> you, know, you just know the actor's yeah. going, Is it? Is it now? Yeah, and then he's like, eh, Not yet! <laughs> One last! Uh, eh. To the ground, my friend goes finally to the darkest... Blackest I'm not of dead night. yet. No, I haven't I'm, done I'm it yet. My, I'm trying to do my fucking thing. And into the darkness he goes. No, no, no. Uh, no. Uh, shall I start the scene again? This has been great. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, exasperated playgoers would sometimes yell during his death scenes, Why don't you die? <laughs> 
Ooh, yeah. I love that. When I it love crosses the over from like criticism of the performance into an actual vitriolic hatred for the person. Yeah. yeah. Nothing seemed to daunt him. At a curtain call, he was often heard to remark, haven't I done it well oh to the God. audience? <laughs> he sounds like the world's worst person. Not not just actor, just like, you know. That's kind of, it's like he was the world's first Bruce Forsyth, where he came out on stage, hogged the lines, improvised, wouldn't get off, did too much, and then went, oh, didn't I do well? Yeah, but that worked for Brucey, because he was presenting a Brucey? light entertainment programme on ITV. Yeah. Um, he would often bow towards the box where his great friend and most constant fan, the Baron Ferdinand de Gramlet, de Geram, Geram, Ferdinand de Geram, sat in splendour. So he had a fucking mate who was obviously taking the piss, going, "Oh no, mate! No, you're dead good. You are. You're dead good." And then he goes, "Come to the box. You got to watch this cunt in action. Come yeah. on." <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, um, yeah. Sounds like you, Paul. Oh, kitty cat's got claws. Oh. Stick it up your ass. By sheer persistence, he managed to carry on and would often bribe reluctant theatre managers to just allow him to appear. Yeah, see, it's the took... money. It's the money, man. He had the money. This only it, ha- this is this is a, a, a lesson for for the industry yes, these days because once you let you know, it's become the profession of the, all the arts is becoming, as we know, a haven for rich elites. Mm. So he got this mate, Ferdinand de, de Gramier, who sits there, is like his mate, but he's, he's willing to... Eggs come. him on. I, I, did, it, did it say that his mate, the Ferdinand, the Duke of Cunt, uh, was uh, <laughs> was actually funding? Is that what it says there? Doesn't say, no. He was just his... Like, he would go to every show that he could. And he was his best mate too, and a big fan. Yeah. Yeah, not true. Yeah. Um, I love it when you fuck up so badly that the audience wants to kill you. It's great. Yeah, it's my favourite thing. I like it when you barely get out of a theatre alive. <laughs> Brings me joy. <laughs> Often, uh, the theatre managers had to hire policemen to help keep law and order. Fuck me. Um, I know, because it was getting that crazy with people booing or cheering or just going crazy. Um, his fame spread, and soon he was playing to packed houses. Right, people so, would... yeah. It's it's the, uh, e- Eddie, the uh, Eddie Eagle effect, isn't it? It's that British thing that we like where we get someone massively untalented, like a Honey G, you know, like a Honey G, like Danny Dyer, like an well, Earl Edmonds. Listen, I think and we want to see them fail. That's like what you're a Mrs. At. Brown's boys. And we go, it's shit, but it's all right. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. We love it because it's so shit. Or yeah, as I've said people... before, Paul, I'm a twat, you're a twat, we're okay. People would travel great distances to see who was really as bad as everyone reported. And it became such an attraction that even the Prince Regent went to see him. Prince Regent, who's what, had a fucking massive gold hoop through the end of his knob. No, that's Prince Albert, I think yeah. you're thinking of. But I bet he did Prince as well. Regent just had um, a tattoo on his knob. He was a bad boy, though, wasn't he? Why don't we have a Prince Regent role these days in the, in the monarchy? It seems to be the um, bad boy role, you know, the naughty prince. Who would be our Prince Regent now, though? It'd be Harry, would be Prince Harry. Be Harry. He's a naughty boy. He's a dirty, naughty boy. I like him. He takes, I'd have a... he takes drugs. Yeah. He does drugs he... up his bum. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he played the role of the Lothario in Rose the Fair Penitent at London's Haymarket Theatre, at least a thousand people have had to be turned away from the theatre. They even stormed the stage door, offering five pounds a ticket if it could just stand in the wings. Wow. You see, this is the question I was going to ask, is if he was so terrible, 
how did he get through the rehearsal process? Surely, you they know, a director would just say... Grin and bear it. They probably knew that it was part and parcel of this fucking horrid adventure called acting. Yeah. Um, inside the theatre, Coates, dressed in a fantastic costume of silver and pink, silk sparkling with diamonds and a hat surmounted by a tall white feather, could hardly be heard. That was because um, people were cheering and booing and screaming and acting like, you know... Yeah. Take that, audience. Um, when the moment came for him to die, he drew a large handkerchief from his pocket, spread it out on the stage, and then carefully laid his head down upon it so his hat would not be spoiled by the fall. He's he's it, a vain, glorious twazuk as well. Like he, you know, yeah. So like he gets stopped, shat, shat. No, he gets stopped, stopped or shat. I meant to say stabbed or shot. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> And then he does her instantly falling to the ground ungraciously. He just goes, uh, "Who's going to put my blanket, uh, little little blanket, down?" Yes, mm, uh, uh, mind my bouffon hat. You know what I mean? He's like, what, "Why is he worried about the hat?" Fuck's sake! Well, no matter what, the minute he laid his head down, the whole audience exploded with laughter. At another performance in Richmond, his acting was so poor that several people laughed themselves sick and had to be helped outside into the fresh air and be treated by a doctor. Well, come on, any comedian would fucking love that You'd these kill days, for that. wouldn't they? You know, the goodies famously made one man laugh so hard he died. He had a congenital heart problem. Yeah, but so, you you know, know he mean? was also laughing at the goodies dressed up in uh, wacky costumes playing uh, you know, Ecky Thump, which was you the, could go the into You could go into an old person's home and just fucking, you know, well, yeah. with a joke book and just, you know, it's a long way tell, it's a long tell way. jokes until one of them carked it after you said it. Yeah, but it's then, a lot of effort you know, to do that. Well, then you could then you could legitimately say I said something so funny, someone fucking laughed themselves to death. Yeah, but what would really happen is like I tried to make someone laugh to death. It took two hours, and so I just put a pillow over their face and went home. Fuck me! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then there was the time he lost a, dr- a diamond buckle. So he was on stage performing, and he lost a diamond buckle from his shoe. He noticed it, he noticed it just as he was about to make a dramatic exit. So instead, fell to his knees and crawled around on the stage on all fours, looking for it. The nearly demented prompter hissed, "Get off! Get off!" But Coates ignored him. The and, nearly demented. That's what it says here. The nearly demented prompter. Meaning that the guy, I want to hear about this demented. Yeah, imagine the prompter. How angry the prompter is. You know stage I mean? manager, basically, isn't it? That was what the role would have been. Going, get well, the fuck off the stage. No, yeah, but no, the prompter gives the line, doesn't they? It don't don't they rather yeah. you know when they, when you, when you go line the prompter is the one who says the line. Imagine how overworked and stressed out the prompter would have been. That he guy probably is half demented. That guy good is a bit him. of writing there, Susan. It is. I remembered that. That's good. Isn't it? Who's Susan? The writer of this story you're reading. Oh, Margaret. Margaret. Well done, <laughs> Margaret. Nice nice use of the word demented yes, to, to convey done. like. Coates ignored the prompter and went on looking until he found the buckle, then got up, delivered his line and walked off. You know, he's rich, but he's also, uh, it seems quite greedy or materialistic, like he's concerned about, you know what I mean? It's a terrible combination of uh, characteristics this uh, guy had. I think the word is knobhead. Knob, knob, yeah. It reminds me, Paul, of when I was uh, performing the Oristaya on tour in Germany. Yeah. And... uh, uh, Dramatic end of the second act. I run off stage about to, just after killing my mum, and because uh, I played Orestes, the lead role in the Oristia. Um Eli convinces yes. himself he's an actor. Go on, I, I, well, I fucking am an actor. All right, okay. And I don't want to hear it from you. Give me, give me, 
an emotion and an accent. I'll do it for you right All now. All right, I want you to be um, anxious as a Spanish person. Oh, no! Oh! Oh! Mio, Mio! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mio, you stress me out! Oh, oh! Oh. I take it back. You're a fantastic actor. Thank you. So you anyway, ran off stage. So right, this is like the only time we've performed. We're on tour, so it's sort of this stage that's underneath a, a concrete soup, uh, staircase in a sort of lobby area in a, a brutalist building. It's quite a modernist building. Yeah. Um, and I was used to performing on a stage which had a large, a longer wing. Mm. Uh, this play, and I smacked right into oh. a concrete wall, broke my tooth in half, my front Ooh. tooth, and my the bit of tooth scattered across, basically onto the stage a bit, and I had to sort of <laughs> craftily retrieve half my tooth, and then fucking complete the last two acts of the play with like looking like scraggle tooth, not not looking like a Greek prince. I can tell you, no. Oh, but you were very Look, professional, well, can... so well done. That was anyway, like when that's... I was in Edinburgh, we were doing that sketch show, and I didn't know where the exit curtain was. That was so funny, And ran head first into a wall, <laughs> whacked Highlight my head over, my life. threw up in the sink backstage with an obvious <laughs> concussion, and then continued on doing a sketch show. Yeah, I have to admit, you had the probe. You should have gone to hospital. I really should have. <laughs> I genuinely had concussion. Um, yeah. It's one of those signs they tell you in first aid class. If you know someone bangs their head and then they they're sick, that's like a warning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But for me, it's a gift to my talent. Um, Coates did not just confine his performances to the stage. In real life, he enjoyed dazzling the public with remarkable clothes. During the daytime, he wore fabulous furs, even in the hottest weather. But it was at nights that he became quite special. When he went yeah. to balls and grand receptions, he glittered from head to foot with diamond buttons and buckles, and they called him. Diamond coats. He's blinging, blinging to the max. He's blinging he'd to fit the in, max. He'd fit right in today's uh, cynical and not talent-based world of media and arts, wouldn't he? Yes, the people who end up on celebrity versions of shows who aren't celebrities. Yeah, he'd be one of those, but he'd probably be quite a good like, celebrity. Like you know Sam I mean? S. Frankie Essex from The Only Way Is Cunt or something. I don't know. <laughs> I know, it's not very uh, mature of me, but I just fucking hate those shows. Um, to draw even more attention to himself, he had a special he had a special carriage built. It was a shell-shaped chassis which simmered with all the colours of the rainbow and emblazoned on it was something he painted himself. A massive crowing cock with his motto, While I live, I'll crow. So it's quite apt that a man full of himself paints a giant cock on the side of his car. He had a car, did he? Well, you know, like a handsome cab, a, a cab, horse-drawn carriage. But he had a Get massive right. cock drawn on the side of it. That's a, an early instance of the uh, the cock and balls graffiti motif. Very early, and quite ornate too, I'd imagine. London street urchins would often chase him down the road, shouting cock-a-doodle-doo, and once, in the theatre, someone threw a live cockerel onto the stage, which pecked around at his feet while he delivered a romantic speech. When he finished the scene, he stood in the wings, shouted insults, at the box from which the cock had been thrown and threatened its occupants with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So why did they throw a cock on the stage? Because they, he because he, he was he was a crow he liked he considered he had a cock on his handsome cab. Oh, uh, he was a crowing cock. He just sounds like a show off. He wasn't really interested in, in acting per se, was he? No, he was, he was interested in himself. Like someone else I know. 
Uh, I'm not like that. Mate, come on. Anyway. Just give me one more emotion. Just to fucking put the lid on this, yeah? All right, I'll give Another you... Another accent and emotion combo, and I'll just... Let's save know. that for the end. Let's save that as the end. We'll get, we're get. we nearly finished. We've got like 50 words, then we're done with this story. Then you can do your acting piece. So, at last, it seems, he decided that he had given the British public the best, and he could no longer put up with its bad manners. After 1815, he appeared less often, and gradually his splendour faded. Uh, Coates was to appear in one last finale... And the scene was suitably dramatic. In 1848, at the age of 75, he was run over by a horse. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That was the story of the one and only Robert Coates. Did you like that? I liked it. So yeah. to end, now we go back to Eli Silverman's Theatre Masterclass, where you are now about to give us an emotive moment. So the emotion I want you to use is pent-up frustration. And the accent I want oh, you to I'm do it in yeah. is Scottish. The scene is this. Oh, I. You wait. Oh. I'm going to give you a scene so you can yeah. help live the moment. Oh, I'm just. Oh, oh. Get into the character. Get into yeah. it. You're at a fish and chip shop. You paid the pound for the chips. Right. But they were meant to cost 80p. They didn't give you the 20 pence back. This sounds don't like get mad. Yeah, just don't realize. get mad. <laughs> this is just the scene. So you can't think of anything original ever, can you, Paul? Every single thing you think of is like uh, some kind of reformulated, half-remembered thing that you saw on TV when you were. A I child. blame pop culture. I yeah. do. So I'm Scottish. Scottish. You've been shortchanged at the chippy, and now improv a scene where you have to expel an emotion of frustrated rage. Oh, oh. Fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> oh, I mustn't laugh. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, God, I'm dying. You fucked me on the chips. Oh, I'm Hello. I wanted to know how long that would go. And uh, I must say, Eli, you have amazed me. That might have been the most pathetic acting I've seen since... Um... Well, I'm not fucking warmed up. I need to do my voice exercises and the stretches and uh, a bit of, you know, Stanislavski. What does the, what do the crisp. chips look like? Are they crispy? They're crispy and fluffy. Are they crispy and fluffy? Or no, are they, they're very, are they they're disappointing very nice and wilted and, and greasy? You get your money back. Well, if, if they're very nice chips, why don't I, you know, think, oh, well, they're worth another 20p. Yeah, well, you could have done These that. are delicious. But instead, you just went, oh, I'm dying, and then did a Jimmy Savile impression and ended it. <laughs> I, and so, I thank all right. You. In that case, I round of applause you. for Eli Silverman and his acting masterclass. <laughs> Enough. And it's time to say goodbye for another episode of Cheap Show. But we thank you for listening. Thank you very much. So we are going to be back in October. We've got some Halloween things planned. Ooh. But you can join us on our Reddit page now reddit.com forward slash r forward slash cheap show and get involved with the conversation give ideas to the show or suggestions and feedback we'd like to hear them also if it's noodle based you get extra points from me i might not respond to everyone but listen the nuzzle man's there the nuzzle man's there dripping beard juice into your oral ears and he, he licks it out with his big beard scoop that's fucking disgusting well, all right okay good noodle people so Reddit page. Are, are a breed apart paul the new, and yes. they know what I mean. Extra apple juice. Extra apple, 8% apple juice, yeah? It's like a language. It's like a language hey, you don't I speak. I don't care. Don't care about your noodle shit. Oh, yeah. I don't no, care. Actually, on the noodle, noodle front, Paul. Yeah. You know you showed me that, <laughs> you know you showed me that Nissen iced noodle 
picture, my mate Mark has found an ice noodle. <gasps> yeah. So I've got one. Oh my god! I've got one, and it's not by Nissan. It's a Samyang Korean one, and it's... this is sh- shocking. I actually care about something noodle based. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, did you see that Pot Noodle have come out with these sort of spaghetti Italian spaghetti Pasta. flavors? We have. To... We'll be trying them. We'll be trying them. We will be trying them. And Don't you worry you. about that. Thank you. My beard is fully waxed and oiled, and nuzzleafalafacus. and if you want a chance to be nuzzled don't forget you can go to uh, Patreon and donate as little or as much as you want and you'll get access to you know uh, exclusive podcasts you'll you'll even be invited onto the show if you donate enough but no matter how much you give it's always welcome so go to patreon.com forward slash cheap show and help keep this son of a bitch of a podcast a running what else is there alright I'm running we're on Twitter at the cheap show pod I'm at Paul Gannon Show. He's at Eli Snoy. Yes. Um, where else can you go? Oh, if you want to see the pictures uh, associated with this episode, you can go to our website, thecheapshow.co.uk. Look for episode 54, and there'll be pictures and maybe our video there, if you're lucky. And, and, and can I just mention here, yes. Paul, by the way, the reason I didn't send you a photo of rubbers. the item from 53, the rocket-based I rubbers, know. which I appreciate, is because one... Uh, the fucking camera on my phone is gone oh. again. And two, I lost them. Oh, well. Or misplaced them. I mean, they haven't. Well, hopefully they'll turn up. In. But, but They're in the miasma that we like to call the House of Pickles. Oh. Swimming around in some brine puddles or uh, hanging around with some half eaten pickles. Excellent. And uh, that's it, I think. I think. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much for enjoying the show. Um, it's been a bit higgledy piggledy, but we ultimately think that. You should shut up and get what you're given. That's Cheap Show for you. Get what you're given. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, have yeah. you got a better right. sign-off? Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Cheap yeah, Show. Yeah, it's pretty good, then, actually. I was just going to say... Yeah, it's much better than yours. <laughs> than yours. <laughs> Fucking... Fuck you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>